Let's bring him in now. Former welterweight champion, the one, the only, Devin Alexander. Devin, how are you? Oh, I am great. I'm blessed. Um, I'm just happy to be on the show with my man, Paul. For sure, for sure. Thanks for joining us. So let's get right down to it. We look at the fight. You and Victor Ortiz a couple weeks ago. When you heard the scores, first score, 115-113, Ortiz overruled 114-114, a majority draw. What was your reaction? My reaction was something fishy, fishy went on that night. Uh, my reaction after the fight, I was very shocked and very disappointed because, you know, I knew, I mean, I, I've heard stories about Texas, but, you know, I figured I'm going down there to dominate. You know, I'm going down to Texas to take what's mine and get the W so I ain't got to worry about the judges. But lo and behold, you know, we had to worry about that, you know, especially from the from just a decision and what happened. So um, I was very disappointed. I definitely thought I did enough to get the victory. Um, I, I told, you know, my coach after the fight, um, I thought I gave him right three rounds, um, four at best, and I thought it was either 9-3 or 9 or 8-4, you know, either or. But I thought I won the fight clearly. And so we look at the fight. And in this particular fight, you dominated Ortiz earlier, early in that fight. You, you know, you, you swelled up his eye a little bit. But it seemed like you slowed a little bit in those later rounds. Do you feel like you slowed down later in the fight? Well, well I, I ain't swell up his eye a little bit. I think it was a, uh, a, a mountain <laughs> on a mole. <laughs> I, I think it was pretty big. But um, to answer your question, um, I, I told my coach, I thought, in my opinion, I thought I gave away the uh, 19th and 11th round. And I think I edged the 12th round out, in my opinion. Um, and I told my coach that, you know, that towards the end, um, I took my feet off the gas, maybe the 19th or 11th. And the 12th round, I thought I won. Is there a reason why you may have took your feet off the gas? Well, um, it was a, a, a just just a breather, just a breather, because I thought I was comfortable. I thought I was comfortable in the fight. Um, you know, I didn't think he, he had enough room to even catch up because I thought I was so far ahead. So um, just a little breather. But, you know, I got back right back to it in the 12th round. So, you know, I could have went three more rounds. But um, it's not legal now. It's not back in the day. So <laughs> going to do 12. So we look at the fight, and, and Ortiz was very hittable, especially earlier in the fight. What was the game plan coming into that fight against Ortiz? The game plan was to be smart. Be smart at the beginning. Uh, frustrate him because we know he get uh, frustrated with uh, people that he can't hit. You know, he get a lot, he, 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 he loses, you know, he's, his cool. So we figured, you know, at the beginning of the fight, we was going to ask I'll point him, I'll smart him, and he's not going to be in the hills. And I thought, and I, and I think we did that. Uh, we definitely did that. And you know, from the beginning of the fight, you know, he knew he, it, this this was a class above, you know, and he knew 
that he's in trouble from the beginning uh, because he he couldn't hit me. Um, he may have hit me a few times, but I don't think he hit me over, you know, in my opinion, 20, 20 25 times the whole fight, you know, um, because, you know, I was on point. My defense was there, um, using my legs. And the game plan was just to be smart. You know, that's that's one of my greatest attributes, um, being smart and being slick. And, you know, I, I, I people didn't see me do it all, though, Paul. I, they, people saw me stand there sometimes. People saw me box. People saw me just do it all. So, you know, but the game plan was to outsmart Victor because, you know, mentally he, he you know, he checks out sometimes. We're talking a welterweight contender. Devin Alexander. So, Victor Ortiz, he would like to do it again. Do you want to do it again against Ortiz, or are you past it? Yeah, I, 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 after the fight, you know, tensions flares up, and you want to say, I want to get right back in there. But me and my coach, you know, you know, we thought about it. It's just not, you know, we we glad that it was on national TV and everybody saw it and everybody saw the decision and everybody agreed that I won. But we don't need to do it again because, I, in my opinion, I thought we won first early. And we were going to move on to something bigger and better, you know. Oh, my coach said, we, we don't need to do it again for what, you know. So we're going to move on to something bigger and better. We look at what could be bigger, what could be better. I mean, your manager, your trainer, Kevin Cunningham, he's came out. He said, you know what, we want Danny Garcia next. Is that who Devin yeah. Alexander wants? Man, I would love that fight. I mean, I would just love that fight. Me and my coach, you know, we 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 we've been talking about this fight for a while now, and I think that's the perfect fight for us. And I think it it'll be a big fight uh, between me and Danny because it's, it's you know Styles make fights. You know, he's he's gonna be there. He's supposed to be the the hard hitter. And I'm supposed to be the the boxer puncher, and it just makes for a good fight. Um, me and my coach, we definitely want that fight. That's that's a fight we want to shoot for next. We're gonna see what happens. We're gonna see what happens and see if if he if he bites, you know. If he don't bite, you know, we'll we'll see what's next. But that's that's what we shoot for. That's what we want. Let me, let me ask you this, and you know, even though this fight against. Victor Ortiz was scored a draw. At the end of the day, it seemed like it seems like your stock went up after this fight. Do you feel like your stock has went up after this particular fight, even though it was a draw? I think so because the reaction after the fight, you can tell. Um, you know, I think I gained more fans by me by that draw. I think I gained more fans. Um, people thought legitimately that I. I I, I won the fight, and it, it got more buzz, to be honest, more buzz about the draw. Um, the internet was buzzing about it. I mean, I think it, it definitely added to my stock, and it, and it raised my raised the bar for me. And, you know, God don't make no mistake. So, you know, he got me, and I think, you know, being I, I hate that it was a draw. I mean, we, we still came out. Good because we, we still I think we still move ahead move forward. We're talking to welterweight contender Devin Alexander, Keith Thurman. He's out there, WBC WBA champion welterweight champion. 
He's looking for a tuna. Have you talked to Al, Al Hammond, about possibly being that tuna for Keith Thurman? Well, well, I, I, I thought, I thought I saw somewhere, you know, he, he would rather fight Ortiz than me. That's what I, that's what I, um, thought I read. But him too. That's another one that I see a lot of flaws. You know, I see a lot of flaws in these uh, guys that say that they say so-called in the top three or top four. I see a lot of flaws. You know, and boxing is about being smart, and you know, a lot of these guys don't have the smart ring savvy anymore. They just come in, they just throw, they just throw, and just out there. And I just think, you know, you know, when I'm on point, when I'm 100%, nobody can beat me. So Keith Thurman can be next to also. You know, if if, if it all comes together, because I think he's just trying to find somebody that's a soft touch. I mean, just a soft, as soft as he can get. So, you know, I, I, can't, I can't bank on that. And we look at Keith Thurman, and, and, and one of the reasons he's talking about, you know, possibly getting a tune-up fight is he's coming off elbow surgery. And as a fighter, do you respect that mentality when a guy says, hey, I'm, you know, he's out in the open saying, hey, I'm looking for an easy fight. I'm looking for a tune-up. Well, I mean, what is the definite, what, what does tune-up mean? I mean, tune-up, if you are an elite fighter, right, if you say you are one of the best fighters out there, then nobody could, can't beat you on your best day. If you feel like you're one of the top weights out there, nobody should be able to beat you at your worst day. That, 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 I just don't understand that. You know, tune-ups are, you know, gimmies. I mean, if you say you're the best, what do you need a tune-up for? I just don't understand. These people are playing. They they say they they they're the best, but they want to you know they want the the a lot of money for the least opponents you know the least threat and that's what these guys are doing nowadays. I don't understand it. You know it just it just doesn't make sense. Does that make sense to you, Paul? If they say they they're the best but need a tune-up, I don't understand. I just, I never understood that. I guess from his, I guess from his standpoint, I guess what he's trying to say is, I got to test this elbow, and I don't want to test this elbow against a guy that is formidable as, say, Errol Spence or, 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 or Devin Alexander, or even a Danny Garcia or, or Sean Porter, for that matter. I, I guess that's what he's saying. I understand it from, 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 what he's trying to say, but I also understand your point as well, because at the end of the day, yeah. if you are the best and you are the man, mm-hmm. you should be able to beat anybody at any time. Yes, that's 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 all I'm saying. You know, I understand injuries happen. I understand, but if you're strong enough to have a fight, that means you're strong enough to get in there with with somebody. I mean, if you're strong enough to. Say okay, I'm strong enough to fight. Why go get us? If you're strong enough, see those those are all excuses to me. Those are all excuses. You know, like I said, I understand injuries. People get injuries. I've been injured, but 
you know, if you say you're the best, fight the best, continue to fight the best, I mean, I just don't understand. Now, one guy that has been avoided seemingly by a lot of people is Errol Spence Jr., IBF welterweight champion. But I heard you say recently that you feel like you can beat an Earl Spence. Tell us why. Let me, let me, I don't think nobody avoiding Spence. Okay. I just think, I just think at the time, people not available. People, I mean, it has to be right. At the end of the day, it has to be right for all parties. And I think all, at, at this time, nobody's available that he wants. You know, I don't think nobody's, you know, ducking Spence or whatever. You know, I, I understand he's he wants Thurman and this and that. I mean, you wanted to be right too at the at the right time. You know, you want to rush it. I understand that. I understand. Um, but me, I don't care. I'll, I'll fight anybody. I, that's just my mentality. It's been my mentality. You know, this he's a man. I'm a man. You know, at the end, the end of the day, I can punch. He can be knocked out. I can I I can be hit or whatever. But this is this is the sport we in. So there's no need to be, you know, afraid to fight anybody. I fight anybody, you know. And if Earl Spence want it, then we'll get it on too. Because I see flaws in him too, you know. So let's let's make it happen. We're talking to welterweight contender Devin Alexander. So. Obviously, as you said, you want Danny Garcia next. That's who you would like to fight next. At the end of the day, when do you expect to return? How many fights do you think you'll fight this year? I expect to return this summer. So I expect to fight at least two more times this year. You know, um, I want to stay busy. I like that I was able to fight in November, then come back and fight in February. I like that. I don't, I just don't like the lay, long layoffs. I want to stay busy. And summertime is when I can look to get back in there, maybe um, end of May, early June, then come back again at the end of the year and fight again. Now, do you – now, obviously, you had a couple guys, you know, you, the Sean Porters of the world, the, the Amir Khans, uh, you know, Aaron Martinez for that matter – would you like to get it on with those guys again, being that they beat you? Absolutely, absolutely. It's always, it's always that when you are when you're competitive, you hate to lose. You always want to, you know, get get that back, especially when you're a competitive person. And right. I feel like those guys didn't get the best of me. Those guys didn't get 120% Devin Alexander, so the outcome was different. But if we were to fight again, all of those results would be totally different. Totally. I have no question in my mind that those would be totally different. And when I remember, I remember the Amir Khan fight, and, you know, it just kind of came to my head now. It just seemed like at the time, and we all know what you were dealing with, you were dealing with an opioid addiction at the time, but it was it, you couldn't pull the trigger against Amir Khan, and it was like it, something didn't seem right. It was yeah, I wasn't right. I mean, right. My 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 reflexes, my 
my thinking, nothing, nothing was right at the time, you know, it was just, it wasn't me, it was definitely not me, I was just there, you know, people saw me physically, but mentally, I wasn't there, so, fight again, it will, it will be definitely, definitely a different result. We're talking to welterweight contender Devin Alexander. How are you doing with, you know, your sobriety at this point? You know, you're, you're clean from opioids. How are you doing with it? Uh, I'm I'm excellent. Uh, right now, I'm excellent. You know, uh, I didn't even think about, you know, what I went through. I mean, I know it's there, but I'm just happy I got my career back. That's, that, that's what's been on my mind for, you know, a year and a half now that I got my career back in my winning ways, you know, um, I used that situation that I went through as motivation to, you know, help a lot of people. I use it as motivation when I go in the ring to to say I'm fighting for more than just Devin Alexander. I'm fighting for people who's been addicted, who's been, who's in classes right now, who's going through, um, rehab, all of that. I'm just doing it for all of all of the people who's you know watching me. Cause I know a lot of them watching me. I get I get stories all the time about you know you know thanking me for sharing my story. Uh, you know, asking me questions, how I was able to do it, and that's what I want to be. I want to be an advocate for all of that. And you know, everything's going good. You know, I got my career back, and everything is smooth. We're talking to welterweight contender Devin Alexander. So, end of the day, we're in 2018 at this point in time. If everything goes right, do you feel like you will have a welterweight belt, IBF, WBA, WBC, WBO, at, at any point, at any time in 2018? In 2018, I, I, I had put this on my um, Facebook post. I don't know if you saw it, but I want to be comeback of the year. Comeback of the year. That this, okay. I want to be named the comeback of the year, and you know, depending these sanctioning bodies and these belts are tricky. You know, um, you know, you gotta be ranked here and there, and you gotta have the power to be. I mean, I am with the power, but uh, you know, it just depends. It depends on the belts. But but my focus right now is to continue to my winning ways, whether it's a, a top fighter or whether it's you know, or a top 10 fighter. I don't care who it is. I'm going to continue to win. And at the end of the year, I want people to say, Devin Alexander is the comeback of the year. So while you may not get a title, you expect to be one of the pound for pound 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 best in the sport by the end of 2018. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Name and claim it. Name and claim it. For sure. For sure. So we'll see what happens people, in 2018. At the end of 2018, I want people to say, wow, Devin has really through what he said. He has really shown us that he's back. And because I know that I'm going to have to continue to prove myself. I know I am because I'm still going to have doubters when I win my next fight. I'm still going to have to prove myself. I know that. So I'm going to continue to win and continue to show people Devin Alexander is back. Do you feel like you're a better fighter than you were a few years ago when you had the IBF strapped? 
Do you feel like you are a be- you're a better I, fighter now? Mentally, I am yes, and okay. that and that's that's the important part because boxing is ninety percent mental, ten percent physical, and as long as I got my mental game is strong because I know I can fight. I know I got skills. I know I got some power. I know that already. But if your mental's not there, at the end of the day, none of your punches are going to come off. You're not going to follow the game plan, and you're just going to be out there. So I am more better mentally than I was when I had the strap, and that's going to take me a long way. Sounds good. So, fans, hit this man up on Twitter, at the real Devin A, and support and support all the great things going on with welterweight contender Devin Alexander. Your brother, he's got a fight this weekend in New York City. Yes. You expect big yes, things from him? Yes, my big brother is fighting again. He's continuing his journey after a long layoff. He's continuing his journey on the undercard of Kovalev, um, on the Kovalev card, and he's going to continue to reign. You know, he want, he has ambitious to be champ real soon and I'm with him 120% and you guys are continue to hear about him because he's climbing fast you know he's 11 and 0 now and he's going to be a force to reckon with so you guys continue to look out for my brother Von Alexander and he's going to be doing great things in the future for sure for sure I expect to be in New York City this weekend hopefully I can catch up with him uh, you know, yes, after yes, he gets the good. victory. That'd be good. After, I think I think he'll like to talk to you. For sure, for sure. Devin, as always, man, absolute pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Can't wait to see what 2018 has in store for you. Appreciate it, man. Well, thanks, Paul. Well, thanks, Paul. Always, you know, you always get the first deals on everything. So you've always been supportive. And, you know... I got you covered, my man. Good to, hear, good to hear from you, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. Take care of yourself. All right, my man. This man's one of the stars of the Tyler Perry hit series, The Haves and the Have-Nots. Let's bring him in. Actor, Brett Davis, a.k.a. Mitch Malone. Brett, how are you? What's up, kid? How you doing? What's up, How you doing, buddy? How you doing, baby? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you got it, man. My pleasure. Let's get right down to it. We see. Let's do it. I'm all about it. We see you, man. Mitch Malone, you know, on the haves and the have-nots. We've seen a lot of you this season. Are we going to see more? Um, yeah. So, we got, you know, I I can't get too much into it, uh, because we can't spill the beans, but, uh. Um, the Malone family is starts coming in really prominent um, this season, and uh, we'll continue into the following. Because um, okay. uh, Benny Benny really gets himself you know, gets himself wrapped up in a whole mess over there, okay. and uh, so so uh, so Mitch Mitch is you know and Mitch is kind of the peacekeeper of the family. So and plus Benny is his boy. Um, so Mitch, Mitch, uh, Mitch really steps in to try to save, save Benny's life. If you know what I mean? Okay. okay. All right. So, uh, so why yeah, would Mitch, you'll be seeing a lot more. Okay. Why would Mitch 
let Benny borrow from the mob? Why, why would Mitch do that? Well, I think it's one of those things where, I mean, that's a great question, Paul. I think it's, uh, you know, knowing that I'm part of the family, um, you feel protected. Uh, and I think, you know, Mitch wears his heart on his sleeve and will do anything for his family. And I think in all honesty, Benny's probably his closest family, even closer than the Malones. I think Mitch, um, I think, uh, you know, this hasn't really been established, but I think Mitch is, I think Mitch is a pretty lonely dude. Uh, and I think, I think Benny's kind of all, you know, all he's really got. Um, so Benny's like more of a brother than a friend, you know? Right. Okay. And I, I, I can see that. I think it's one of those, I think it's one of those things where, um, Benny's, a, you know, is in need and, you know, for both of us, like our backs are against the wall. Uh, uh, cause we're both trying to work and make money. I mean, I right. still got to work and, you know, I, I, you know, I think Mitch sees his future working with Benny. Um, so if, if, if Benny, Benny's got to be around for Mitch to survive too, you know? Right, for sure. So it goes both ways. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. I know it man. sounds crazy. It's definitely fun. I, I know. There's, 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 a lot of, there's a lot of really fun stuff coming up. Um, a lot of really fun stuff coming up. I mean, you know, Tyler's, Tyler's the man with uh, – he, he's got storylines. I mean, I don't know how that guy puts it all together, but uh, he, he's got some amazing storylines coming up. That was my next all, question. With everybody. That was my next question. I mean, where does this dude come up with all these different storylines? Does he sit on the toilet a lot? I mean, where does he come up with all these storylines? <laughs> That's his writer's room, the toilet, right? <laughs> Man, I don't, I, I, I'll tell you what, Paul, it's, it's amazing. And, and it kind of like, uh, you know, I think it's something we all wonder is, is just where does he get this? Where does he get this all from? And it's not even where he gets it from. Like, how does he manage it between all of his shows and – you know, all these, all of the shows that he does are lengthy shows. You know, our, our show is 22 episodes. It's not like he's just doing eight to 12 episode shows. Like there, there's a lot of detail, a lot of storytelling. There's so many different storylines, especially our show. Now it's grown so much over the last couple of years. I mean, multiple, multiple storylines. I, I have no idea. I mean, the man works on a different level for sure. For sure. <laughs> now, there's a reason, there's a reason he does what he does because he's one of the only people that could do it. No doubt. So, you know. so basically, you guys have already shot the next season already. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we just uh yeah we 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 shot a lot last year and uh, we were just in Atlanta at the beginning of 2018, doing some more doing some more work, a couple of reshoots, shooting some new material, and then uh, I don't know we, we we don't know when we'll go back to shoot next season and later this year next year we're not really sure yet. Okay. So we're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and the Have-Nots, actor Brett Davis. So how much has your career grown since this opportunity for you? A lot. A lot. I think, um, I mean, immensely. I mean, listen, you get a job on a show, no matter what it is, it's a career boost. You know, um, this show more than just like a work boost, uh, kind of came around at a point in my life when, 
but Brett, when 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 myself as a, as, a, as a human being needed it, um, you know, it was kind of like rolling with a rough crowd and and needed basically needed something good to to happen. And um, I went in for for uh, Mitch's first. I went in to audition for Mitch for it was just like uh, it was three episodes. I think it was season three. Um, and I went in and, and, and auditioned and booked those three episodes. And when I went to Atlanta, um, I talked with Tyler and he said, uh, he, he, he just basically told me, he said, listen, man, if, you know, if, if these epi- three episodes go well and I see a future for Mitch, you know, this, this is a chance uh, that we expand this character. And so, of course, I mean, you know, not to put the pressure on me, you know what I mean? But, uh, but when they're doing the best I can do and then... I was just lucky enough that, that, that Tyler saw a future with Mitch and then offered me uh, the series regular, the contract position. So in and a lot of ways, so, I don't want to say this saved your life, but this brought you out of a maybe a dark point in your life? I, I would say so, Paul. I would say, it's, it's you know, man, this business is really hard. And everybody gets into it for a different reason. And at some point, I think you realize that this is a journey. And sometimes I think it gets, you know, people have a really false image of uh, what this business is all about. And there's so much rejection and, and uh, there's, so many, there's so many temptations outside of work. You know, we live in LA, beautiful people, it's sunny every day. And this job came around at a point when I was ready for it. You, you gotta be ready for stuff, you know? You got. It. I was ready for it because you have to be ready as an actor, like training-wise. But you got to be ready in your head too, because um, you know, a lot of people lose roles because they're just they show up to set, they haven't done the preparation. Maybe they're physically out, out of shape, um, mentally out of shape. You know, for sure. So this this came for appointment. Uh, uh, this came to me at a point where I, I was actually ready. Like uh, about a month before I got this audition, I had sent something with Coleman. I jumped into a class, a new class, uh, with a pretty advanced, uh, uh, with with a, with a pretty advanced coach, and started really busting my ass. Okay. And because I felt this was coming, so um, it came around for me when I was when I was in, I was in need of something positive. That's what it is. Something positive, okay. you know. All right, all right. It's so much negative. It's a lot of negative out here. I mean, it's it's fun. LA is a fun place, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of bad things, a lot a lot of you know a lot of rejection, a lot of negative stuff. And if right. you gotta you gotta be ready, you gotta be ready and open for these opportunities, because when they come, you can't mess them up. For sure. We're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have Nots, actor. Brett Davis, Mama Rose, man or woman? <laughs> that's funny. Hey, that's a good question. <laughs> man, that woman is that woman is wild. I, I I tell you what, I don't know if a dude would want to cross her. <laughs> You're right. I feel like we spend most of our time on the show talking about don't don't do this, don't piss off Mama Rose, don't you know? Did you ask Mama Rose? Did Mama Rose say it's okay? All right, you better run it by Mama Rose, you know. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of, she's, I mean, she is the head of the family. For sure. 
So let me ask you this. That's a funny. Yeah, what you got? You're a basketball guy. We're going we're going to switch gears to yep. the NBA now. We look at the way okay. the NBA is at this point in time. You got Houston and Golden State out there in the West. In the East, you got Boston. You got the new look Cavaliers, and you got the Toronto Raptors. How do you no see doubt. this whole thing playing out? Man, I think uh, I think uh, I think in the East it'll end up um, Boston and, and, and Cleveland. I think fight fighting for the title in the East. I think okay. uh, I think I think that'll be a great series. I think Cleveland will come out of the East though for sure. I don't know. Toronto's got a hell of a squad. I just don't know if they have it for seven games. You know? Right. Um, I, yeah. And I then, mean, you look at Toronto. In a lot of ways, they're doing what they're doing what they've always done in the regular season. They seem a little different this year. You know, they have the continuity. They've been together for a while now. So that may mean something in the playoffs. I think so, too. And you know what, you know what I like about the Raptors is they, they, just, they, they play with a lot of energy. Um, and I think, I think the, the Warriors have made us realize, again, that you've got to play as a team to win. And I think I think Toronto plays really well as a team. It seems like they got a bunch of young boys. I mean, DeRozan, DeRozan's a beast. Larry's a hell of a point guard. They got some real couple really good uh, couple really good role players in there. You know, Ibaka's great under the hoop. I, I I just I think they got the pieces, but I don't know if they have enough pieces to to win the East yet. And then I was I was going to jump to the West. All right, you had another question. Does you had something else? All right, I th- I'll tell you what, man. I was watching. Um, I hadn't watched. Houston for a while, and I watched them play last night against the Clippers. And even though the Clippers aren't, uh, you know, I mean, I think what they're eighth in the in the West right now. They're currently eighth in the I West. Think, yeah. I, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, they uh, might be nine. They might be nine at this point. Nine. Maybe after last. Maybe after last night's L. Um, Houston's a squad, man. Those boys can ball. I'll tell you what. It'll pro- it'll be them. It'll be them probably at, in uh, in Golden State fighting for the West, right? Yeah, it looks that way. I mean, who else? I mean, I don't want who else? Dismiss, who else is going to mess with? I don't want to dismiss OKC because I feel like with those three guys, Melo, Westbrook, and George, you know, you always got a shot. But I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to come down to those two teams, Golden State and Houston. They seem like they're the two best teams in the West. That's gonna be a fun right. series if that happens. It's gonna be a hell of a series. I think, I think OKC's got a great squad too, but they can't put it together for seven games. Not against Houston or Golden State. No way. I just and think it, you know it's got to be. It's when you play. I mean, especially Golden State. When you play against those boys, it's got to be so discouraging, just because of the way they move the ball. Yeah. And anybody, and, anybody who touches the ball, um, except for what's his name, um, the big boy who fouled, uh, what, what's his name? Oh, Pachulia. Who hurt. Zaza. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zaza. Anybody, everybody except for him can put the ball in the hoop, and almost all of them can shoot threes. I, I, just right. gotta, I, I don't know how you get past that, you know? It's going to be difficult. And, and for me, I like the way the Rockets are playing, but it's very hard for me to think that there's a team out here that can beat a team that has a starting lineups uh, of Steph Curry, of Klay Thompson, of Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant. And, and, you know, that lineup to me, I can't see a team beating that lineup four times in seven games. Just can't see it. Not saying it's impossible, 
I don't see it. When you're talking like one game, yeah, they could get yeah. but over seven games, no, no, no chance, no, no chance. It's I mean, be, it's I mean, re- realistically, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. And whoever whoever Golden State sees in the finals, or whoever Golden State or Houston, whoever makes it to the finals, I mean, that's gonna be the championship game. Is the uh, you know whoever wins the West, that, that that's gonna be the big series because whoever Houston or Golden State sees, you know, it's just not gonna be. You know, it's a shame, man. It's a shame when you think about it. How, why the, why the East can't be better? Like, I mean, I get it. Like, all these boys want to move west, and you know, you got Cali, which is just beautiful. And um, but why, why is the West been so strong? Like, how come these guys don't want to play? Go play in New York. I, I guess the ownership. I don't know. But New York's a beautiful city, obviously. Toronto's a hell of a city. Okay. Like, it's a shame that those cities can't draw more more big players right now. You know. And these things, they, they do go in cycles. It, it is, you know, cyclical. You know, at times the West will be weak and the East will be weak. But it seems like the West has been very strong for a long, long time. You know, it's been, I was going to say, it's been a while. It's a hell of a long cycle. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of time, when I lived in New York, I lived in New York for five years. And when I spent a lot of time, in, when, I, when, I, when I was in New York, I spent a lot of time in Madison Square Garden and um, kind of latched on to the Knicks. And okay. uh, it, it, it's I I've kind of like recently dropped them. I mean, I just you know I used to I used to rock their gear, and I just like now I'm more of a fan of the game, you know, right. because there's just not a lot there to root for. Porzingis Porzingis is great fun to watch, but he's obviously not there. That's the yeah, that's I the mean, star though. For me, as a '76ers fan, you know I'm excited about what's going on with them. You know the process. I trusted the process. And, you, got it. you know, I'm starting to no do some things. Oh, you guys got a fun squad to watch. For sure. So we'll see what you happens. You guys got a man. hell of a squad to watch. Hey, listen, man, you keep, you, keep Embiid, you keep Embiid healthy, you'll be good. Yeah. That's a big if. Uh, you know, that's a big that's if. That's a big if. Every, every time he hits the floor, I cringe. Yeah. Yeah. It's nerve-wracking at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big boy, though. What are you going to do? Sure. You're a Baltimore Ravens yep. fan. You're Ravens. Yep. Had a shot to make it to the playoffs. They lost yeah. week 17 to the lowly Bengals. Talk oh, about that moment yeah, for you. Man, that was, be- that, that was brutal because I had, I had some good hopes because we, we started playing uh, good towards the end of the season. And... You know, I, I, I'll be on. I, it's tough because I, I, I don't want to put the blame on Flacco. I mean, I wouldn't say that if I wasn't if, if I wasn't going to put the blame on him. But I just wish, I wish we had a little more character back there. Like, you know, he played really good the last couple games. He, he but, but he just, it's like he kind of like mopes through the season. I feel like there's just, I mean, he didn't have. I don't think he had one 300-yard season or one one 300-yard game last season, and he's got such a cannon on it. Yeah. You know what the thing about Flacco? I, I know he won a Super Bowl. You know, and obviously that's big. And he is a franchise-caliber quarterback, but I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I mean, don't get me wrong. That run that he had where, where he got you guys to the playoffs and, 
You know, he rolled through those playoffs. He was, like, super hot. And, you know, obviously that was a contract year for him. But that year he rolled through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl was impressive. But after that, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, he's been just okay. Because you know what happened? The boy got paid. (laughs) He got paid. He got paid. He got paid and it started declining. Right. You figure, you know, the last time you guys made the playoffs was 2014. You know, he got paid after that 2012 season where he, what, 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions in those playoffs? I mean, he was crazy in those playoffs. Crazy. On fire. He was on fire. He was on fire. He still believing in all the defense. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I want to. Say, I don't want to not believe in him, but I think we need to start thinking ahead. I mean, he's been in the league for a minute. Um, I think we. I think we need to get. A, I think we need to start thinking ahead. I'm. I'm. I'm ready for the next prospect in there. We got a bunch of other moving pieces too. I mean, we had a decent running. We had a decent running year. I think we need to. I think uh, you know, Mike Wallace didn't give us a whole lot at receiver. Uh, right. Uh, Matt didn't if we made some. Macklin didn't give us a lot either. You know, I don't want to put it all on Joe. Um, it's easy. It's easy to blame the quarterback, I think. But, um, but I think we got if we got him some more pieces because you know that's the one thing about Joe is that dude's got a cannon on him. For sure, a cannon. But you got but you got to have guys he can unleash it to. True. True. So I don't I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, but I love I love the purple and black, and uh, nothing gets me more hyped than when we play the Steelers. I still go crazy <laughs> over that, you know. <laughs> I got I got a buddy uh, I got a buddy um uh, uh, J- um Nick James who plays Officer Justin on the Haves, and he's from he's from Pennsylvania, so he's a big Steelers guy. So we, okay. we go at it when they when they match up. We go at it. All right. <laughs> We're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have-Nots, actor Brett Davis. So, you got the haves and the have-nots going on. What else is going on with actor Brett Davis? What else does he have going on? So, about two years ago, I, uh, I, shot a, I, I teamed up with a guy who I, I shot a, a Netflix film, had a role in a Netflix film, and I teamed up with one of the producers um, that produced it, and we started writing about two years ago, and we got uh, about three, we got three screenplays we're working on right now, and a couple ideas in the in the pipeline. Um, uh, but you know, as, as actors, we got a lot of time, um, so you want to find something to do um, in that time, you know, to keep the creative juices flowing and to stay busy and, and stay, uh, you know, and keep and keep positive. So I started working with him. I, I do that. I work on that five five days a week. And he okay. and I meet once a week. And then besides that, you know, in the, uh, when, we're, when I'm not in Atlanta, shooting the halves, living in Los Angeles, audition, trying to, trying to get, uh, you know, we can still do, uh, we, can, we can shoot movies. Um, uh, we can do uh, small roles on TV shows, just as long as it doesn't conflict with when we're shooting the halves. Um, so, you know, just the grind, man. The grind, trying to book more credits, trying to grow your career. You know, it's kind of funny. You go, we go to Atlanta and we shoot. You know, we shoot for a couple months, and you feel good. You know, your your confidence is up. You know, your your acting is sharp because you've been working, 
and you come back to L.A., you start auditioning, you don't get your first three, four auditions, and it's a humbling, man. It's a humbling experience every right. year, you know? <laughs> but it's just but part of it. Just, you, know, every, you just reminded, man, the grind doesn't end. Off the set, you are dating the lovely, the beautiful, the talented Priscilla Nunez. How did that all happen? That's right. <laughs> Man, that's kind of, it's, fun, it's funny you ask. It's funny you ask. Try to get you try to try to get some of the drama or what? Not only drama. What have you got? <laughs> Man, um, uh, yeah. So we met. We met. We both met on our first uh, our first uh, contract year of the show. Oh well. And uh, obviously we met, you know, on the show in Atlanta. And uh, um. I had just gotten out of a relationship not too long ago, and uh, she was she was kind of on the outs of hers. And uh, you know, it really just happened because we all we all lived together. We all kind of stayed in the same hotel in Atlanta, so it was kind of like summer camp. Everybody hangs out all the time, gets to know each other, you know. And uh, and so we started hanging a little bit in Atlanta, and then. Uh, and then when we got, when we both got back to LA after Atlanta, we both kind of went our own way. I went home, she went home, and we got back to LA, and uh, I hit her up, and then uh, we just started dating, and uh, that was a wrap. Okay. She's cute. She's cute. She's beautiful. You're doing good for yourself. She's beautiful. I'm doing, I'm doing hell of good for myself. <laughs> She's a good girl. You know, that was another thing too. Like to go back to. Um, you know, me, me telling you about how the show kind of came around at a, at, a, at a really good time in my life for me. Priscilla did the same because I was, uh, I was coming out of my last relationship and I screwed that up pretty bad. You know how, you know how us young knucklehead guys always got to screw right. something up. And uh, so I came, she, you know, Priscilla, Priscilla's a woman by all means. She's a lady. And, um, so it was. Uh, she she came along at a, a time when when I when I was I, I needed that and I, I was right. ready for that. You know. So marriage so, is that possibly in the future? <laughs> Man, this is funny because everybody is asking me this, Paul. Uh, twice today I got asked. People that I barely even know are asking me. <laughs> And I'm like, what is in the water you guys are drinking, man? The only people that don't ask me are my mom and my dad. It's the weirdest thing. Okay. I thought your mom and your dad were the ones who push you about that stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, she, you, you say she's a good woman. You know, it's very obvious yeah. by looking at her. She's a beautiful woman. I mean, uh-huh. you know, she's like, you got the best of all worlds. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I do. <laughs> I do, and uh, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it. Okay, all right. You know, of course I do. You got to, you know, I feel like part of living and learning is, you know, you mess mess up relationships, and some of us do, a lot of us do, man. And right. then, uh, you know, you get to your point, a point in your life, I'm 35 now, and it's like, uh, you know, you want to just keep dating around for the rest of your life, or... No. You find a good woman. You want to settle. You want to settle down and and uh, and start a you know think about starting a family. 
Definitely. I mean, because in L.A., you could shoot, you could be single and have fun your whole life. There's some, you Definitely. know, there's just a lot going on out here, you know. <laughs> you could do both, but what are you gonna do when you're uh, when you're 60? You know, that's no fun. Nobody that's cares. No fun. Yeah, nobody cares about your stat sheet when you're 60. No, you know not I mean? at all. Yeah, so I gotta ask you this. I gotta ask you this. Yeah, what's up? On set, obviously, you see her doing some other things with other guys. I know it's acting. You know, I know it's a part of the job. Is there? Anything in you that gets a smidge jealous? Now, now you put her in a scene with Tyrese or something, maybe. Okay. But, but, uh, but, 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 nah, man. I, I think you know it's part of the job. It's right. part of the job. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know both of us. Our careers are going to go on, and I'm sure that eventually, you know, she's, you know, she's going to be, she's going to be the love interest in probably most things that she does. So if she's going to have these scenes and stuff, you know, there's just a, it's tough, man, because nobody, you don't want to see your girl, you don't want to see your girl doing that stuff. I, I don't watch the episodes. Okay. Those episodes, you know what I mean? Right. But, no, uh, I, I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like it either. Nah. Nah, nah I don't want to. Nah, I don't want, you, you don't want to watch it. I mean, I don't mind, listen, it's part of the job, so you got to, you, you do what you got to do. What am I going to say? But you don't want to watch sure. it, you know, you don't want to watch it. And so, it's you know, on that show, obviously, you know, you're dating Priscilla, you know, Nick James, he's, he's dating Tika Sumter. I mean, you, you got a lot of yeah. love going on in that set. I mean, <laughs> we're all shacked what's up. going on there? We're all shacked up. <laughs> you know what, man? Because people ask me that sometimes. You know what it is? It's uh, give, give credit to Tyler Perry because um, – Everybody from the actors to the people that work at the stu- in the studio, you know, the producers that work in the office, to the people that run the cameras, that run the lights on the, on the actual working set, you know, everybody is a, everybody's a hell of a person. And everybody's family. And so I think, you know, when Tyler brings us together, you know, I, I think he's got like an eye for... Uh, for good-hearted, hard-working people. So when you put us all together, you know, you can't help, you just can't help for but situations and people to be attracted to each other because, you know, it's kind of like the, the trickle-down effect. Everybody's a, a good, hard-working person, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of attitude. So we, we all, I guess what I'm getting at is we all gel. So, you know, you're going to have these, these attractions and, and things pop up because... You know, tra- you know, hardworking people are attracted to hardworking people. So you, you all get together in one room, relationships are going to get made. You know, for sure, for sure. But we also, we also too, when we're in Atlanta, you know, we spend a lot of time together. We spend a lot because if we're not working at the studio together, we're either, you know, going out for to eat for drinks. You know, we spend a lot of time. So, you know, things happen. You know, <laughs> I see. It's like <laughs> summer see. camp. It's like it's like summer camp, Paul. We call it summer camp, man. A lot of things go on during the summer camp. I see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know how summer camp could be. <laughs> Can I come? <laughs> yeah, you want to come? You want to come see what it's all about? <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. It's it is it's it's an awesome experience going to like just going to Atlanta and and working whether we're there for a month or three months. Man, it's so much fun. Atlanta's 
Atlanta's an awesome city, and it's growing like crazy. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, great bars and restaurants. The people in Atlanta. I mean, in Atlanta, you're in the South. And if you come out of L.A., you kind of, you know, you can get a little jaded because everybody in L.A. kind of sticks to themselves, does their own thing, worries about themselves. But you get to Atlanta, you know, you go to the grocery store, people want to talk to you and ask you how you're doing and how your day is going. And you got to, you kind of, you know, it's fun in Atlanta. So we have a good time. Yeah. So fans, make sure you check this man out each and every Tuesday, 9 o'clock Eastern, on own, this man, Brett Davis, a.k.a. Mitch Malone. Make sure you check him out That's on right. Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and the Have Nots. Hit him up on Twitter, at Brett Davis 44 and support all the great things going on with actor Brett Davis. Brett, man, absolute right. pleasure. Wish you nothing but yeah, the best of luck. I appreciate it. I really, really it appreciate again. it, man. Thank you. I would love Take care to. care of yourself. All right, my man. All right.